Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. So um, welcome everybody. Um, it's lovely to see you all for another one of our practice manager webinars. My name's Louise Greenwood and I'm Director of Education at Wessex LMCs and it's very good to be back with you again. So delighted to be joined by Michelle Lombardi and Lisa Harding, our Directors of Primary Care and Dawn Chalcraft, our Deputy Director of Primary Care. So we'll be recording this as we always do as an audio podcast for you to listen to and we'll also be recording it as a webinar. We've got a couple of bits to show you today so you'll be able to see those and visually if you want to. And we'll put the links in the chat and we'll put links in on the website afterwards. Um, as ever, please do ask questions. Anything that's burning that you want to know now related to what we're talking about or not related, anything is fine. We know it is extraordinarily busy as it always is you've got lots going on so there's anything you're thinking oh gosh i can't remember or can you help me with we'll absolutely help you now if we can or we will come back to you later either privately on an individual basis if appropriate or um to everybody on the website so i think dawn i think you're first on today and um, of course we're going to talk about flu aren't we so over to you dawn Yes, thanks, Louise. Yes, all things flu. It's the season, isn't it? Um, OK, so firstly, um, NHS England have um, updated the requirements. Well, they've not updated the requirements, but hopefully clarified them a little bit on the recording of flu vaccinations um, by PCN groupings. This is following feedback from practices because there was some confusion about um, which clinical systems they should or could be using. So uh, a PCN grouping. Um, which is a constituent of practices, will now be able to elect to record flu-only events in either their GP clinical system or on their PCN grouping point-of-care system. But beware, you can't do it in both um, because I'm sure you realise it will cause a problem with um, payments and claims. The system to be used must be agreed and adopted by all practices in the PCN grouping to reduce the burden on post-payment verification work to address any duplicate recordings and payments. Um, So that's that's a choice there, but that's flu-only vaccination events. The position um, with regards to the following has not changed. PCN groupings that co-administer flu and COVID must still record their flu and COVID events in the point of care system. Um, So I hope that's hopefully clarified and cleared that up a little bit because practices have been understandably confused um, with the merging um, of the two uh, enhanced services. We're not merging, but if you are going to co-administer two services this year. And moving on for still all things flu, uh, multiple sclerosis. And this is thanks to a very eagle-eyed practice manager of ours who came to us and said, hmm, I think this, uh, multiple sclerosis is missing from the business rules. And actually, she was absolutely right. Um, and following uh, um, in touch with um, the screening and IMS team, um, they escalated this nationally. And nationally, um, it has been acknowledged that in the business rules, multiple sclerosis is not included. It should be, but it isn't. Um, The reason they give at the moment is apparently there are so many codes that it could be. uh, There are too many to add in. I'm I'm really not sure why they can't add them all in. But anyway, they say there's too many at the moment um, at present. So therefore, 
practices, please, we'll need to do a local search for all relevant multiple sclerosis coded patients. Include them in your calls and recalls. And uh, when you give them the flu vaccination, please code the patient as needing the vaccination or requires the vaccination, as well as then actually giving it. So they need the two. They need the, the eligibility code, why they're having it. And if you code it as needing it, that that's your eligibility and then giving it. Hopefully, this will ensure that this is picked up for payment. However, I would suggest, and I'm sure you will, practices do check that you have been paid for these each month. Um, and if not, then make a manual claim um, as soon as possible to, to make sure you're within the time limits for claims. The national team acknowledging this <clears throat> have said they're going to discuss it with Ardens for inclusion of this cohort, but that's for next year, um, not for this year, unfortunately. And I'm just going to move on briefly now to shingles, um, if that's OK. Um, there is what's called a shingles eligibility calculator that has um, very helpfully been put together by the Southwest uh, Screen screening and IMSS teams um, and I've downloaded it and I've used it um, and actually it's very easy to use and very very helpful and we've got a link to this on our website on the Vax and IMSS page if you go and have a look for it I'm sure you'll find it but I think we can probably put the link against the podcast when it goes out as well. Um, there's also an email address if you did have any queries about the tool um, because it is very complicated the shingles um, eligibility not just this year but going forward it's a five-year plan isn't it so hopefully you will all find that really helpful and useful particularly your nursing teams um, and also public health uh, not public health sorry NHS England have published the SNOMED codes that must be used for recording your singles singles shingles vaccination payments um, and again it's a small table one two three four five six codes on there five codes um, that also is already on our vax and ims webpage if you want to take a look at what those codes are and that's all from me louise lovely thank you dawn and thank you very much to the eagle-eyed uh, practice manager who spotted about the multiple that is fantastic and do please um contact if, if you see anything like that that's a non an anonymous an anomaly. Um, I wonder what what's going on with that. Do contact us. And as you have heard, Dawn has got friends in the right places and she can pass it up the line and, and we can do something about that. So that's really helpful and that's really useful information. Thank you, Dawn. Um, yeah, just a comment come in. I like that idea of a singles recall, perhaps a speed dating night is just one comment that's coming, which is just, yeah, that's going to be amusing. And we just, do you know what? We need to find the joy where we can at the moment, don't we? Because it's just pretty tough out there. So well, thank you um, to Dawn. That's really helpful. Lisa, I think we're going to come to you next, um, PCSE. Thanks, Louise. So we just really wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of the latest PCSE update. So uh, a couple of items to cover. The first one is an update for locums um, regarding checks ceasing from the 1st of October. So from the 1st of October, all payments made to NHSE for locum pension contributions should be submitted by BACs rather than check. Um, locum A and B forms submitted by post will also not be accepted beyond beyond the 1st of October. So the quickest and easiest way to submit the, the locum A and B forms is to use the PCSE online um, facility. And then once you've done that, the system will confirm the exact amount to be paid. Um, it'll also give you NHSE's 
bank account details and the correct BACS reference number that you need to use. Um, they've also asked practices to note that forms can still be sent using the contact us form on the PCSE website if that's their preferred route. Um, and we can put those links in the chat. Uh, the next update, update from PCSE was around system improvements for the performers list. Um, so they've implemented a series of improvements in functionality for performer management and performer applications, um, which will impact applicants, performers and practices. Uh, so the first one to be aware of is the removal of approval of level of commitment of change, change, commitment change, sorry. So applicants and performers will no longer have to input any level of commitment, i.e. the number of sessions worked at a practice as this requirement has been removed. So this means that practices are no longer required to approve any level of commitment changes in the PCSE online system. And the next item was improvements to work items, queues and reporting. So following feedback from practices, the following improvements have been made to work items, queues and reporting. Work items will only show in practices queue when action is required. Work items that practices have actioned will be cleared from their work queue on the date that they were actioned. Filters have been added to the practices work queue columns to make navigation easier when action is required. Practices will return to their filtered work queue view, their work queue view after ICB region actions a task. Practices can view historical cases that have been approved or rejected on PCSE online. Practices can view the audit history of a case when it is approved or rejected by their team. And practices will be asked to provide a reason for rejecting a case. The system will send an email out to the performer and to the ICB or region to inform them of the rejection. Uh, and again, there's more information on their performer management user guide and the performer list application guide. So I'll put the, the links in the chat as well. Um, and, and the last item is around protected characteristics data collection. So there's a new section of the application form which GP registrars submit to join the performance list called protected characteristics. So the data requested includes gender, ethnic group, sexual orientation, religion, disability, and country of qualification. This section isn't mandatory. The applicant can choose if they give or reject consent to providing this information. Um, and with regard to existing performers who have yet to submit their protected char characteristic data, um, they will be prompted to provide this information the next time they log in to PCSE online, make changes. Um, but if an applicant or performer wishes to give or retract consent, they can update their protected characteristic permissions. So they don't have to, it's not mandatory. Um, so it's really just to make you aware of those. Um, protected characteristic data cannot be viewed by NHSE if shared by an applicant or performer. So those were the NHSE um, updates, quite a bit to take in there. So I'll try and put some of those links into the chat so you can see a bit more detail um, and just to refresh your memories. Thank you, Lisa. That's really helpful. We've just had one um, query in. So we have a retired GP who has not removed themselves from PCSE. How do we go about getting them removed? Do we know what so that? I think I can see Dawn. Dawn, Dawn. <clears throat> there is a way the practice can um, actually go on and do, um, as you might do a joiner, you can also do a lever. So if the practice goes and makes a GP a lever, 
um, I would expect them to come off your list. You can also, um, for pension purposes, take them off of the uh, practice estimable uh, pensionable profit um, uh, form online. But ultimately, as I'm aware, if you make them a lever or do a levers form, um, that should um, work for you. Um, if it doesn't, come back to us um, and we'll check out how how or what we need to do. Perfect. Thank you, Dawn. And Lisa might have some... Um, it, it, it just occurred to me, I don't know if that, if that performer is a, is a partner or not, but they'd also need to inform the ICB so that they're removed from the contract if, if they're a partner. Good shout. Yeah, that's important. So um, whoever sent in that question, and hopefully that works. If it doesn't, do come back to us. We're very happy to help you work through these things um, or find somebody else who might be able to help you. So um, that's good. Um, and we'll put those yeah, put those links in, as Lisa said. Thank you, Lisa. That's really helpful. And thank you, Dawn, for that. So, Michelle, I think we're coming on to you now for a few, a few more items. Uh, thanks, Louise. So my first item is in relation to information that was published in the Primary Care Bulletin on the 7th of uh, September. And this was guidance uh, for practices around direct access for cancer diagnostic services. And these may be for these are for patients that potentially don't quite meet the criteria for cancer referrals. But I think a lot of the research um, identifies that patients are who sadly who identified as having cancer um, come through a, a slightly different route than the two week wait. So there is variability across the area around how this is being implemented um, and they acknowledge that in the guidance. Um, and there's phase one, which was launched in November last year and enables uh, general practice to directly access requests to CT scans, ultrasounds or brain uh, MRI, MRIs. Um, there is also a phase two, which is intended to begin a bit later on this year, which will support um, ICBs to offer wider a wider range of direct access, which could include spirometry and pheno. So it's really just to highlight there's this guidance available for general practice and particularly GPs to directly access uh, cancer diagnostic tests. Um, I believe that the guidance has been uh, produced uh, with contributions from the Royal College of GPs and the BMA. So that was the first item. I do have a few to go through. Uh, so the next one is in relation to Vaccinim's update. So it's really just to highlight for the clinicians that there is a new poster that um, UXA has updated from the 1st of September and provides information for patients with uncertain or incomplete immunizations. The poster is really helpful. It talks you through the steps that you need to take and what potentially might need to be offered. Um, so really just to highlight that that uh, poster is available and uh, you may want to download. And as we said, we'll pop the links of these into the chat uh, for practices to access. Um, my next item uh, relates to uh, organ and blood donation and really just to uh, remind practices that since October 2021, um, patients are able to offer, to, uh, sorry, to record their preferences around this and actually uh, to check your GMS1 forms because I think prior to this that would have been a question that was asked of patients to inform the practice of, well, actually, I don't think practice can do anything with that information. It needs the patient to go on to the appropriate link and the appropriate website to um, identify their preferences. And I think there's just some concern if practices are continuing to collect this information that it's not getting uh, where it needs to be. So it was a, it's been a request uh, for practice to check their registration forms and to make sure they've got the most up-to-date version that provides the links. I know that we've got a suggested registration form on our website, which I know that we're also working through um, 
uh, updating. So, but it is already updated around the blood and organ donation. So it's really just to make practices aware that um, just to review your GMS one form around this uh, information. And then finally, wanted to quickly talk a bit about G GPAS. So the general practice alert state system that we have been uh, running as an LMC since May 2022. Firstly, just wanted to thank all the practices who um, complete this on a weekly basis. Uh, we really appreciate the information you provide to us. And we really just, it's a plea to practices uh, to fill this in. And I know the killer question for everybody is, so what happens as a consequence? Um, and we just wanted to um, share the experience that we had last year around GPAS. So st when strep, strep A hit, GPAS was used uh, to identify the significant pressure and the evidence, the pressure that general practice was under. And it was invaluable when we were having discussions with uh, ICBs around uh, what support they could offer practice, particularly thinking around quaff, the quaff um, offer that was made. I think, with, as we all know, we're just about to go into winter and to have the GPAS information available when we start the discussions for this year uh, would be invaluable and have evidence of what the pressure that general practice is under. And having, as I said, having GPAS would really, really help with this and also help to identify potentially the support that's available um, to practices and how that will inform what that might look like. So really just thank you to everybody who fills it in. But a request that practices who don't fill it in, if you could possibly look at doing this. Um, so to really help us um, with the discussions that will, will probably take place during this winter period. Thanks. And that's me. Yeah, that's great. And I think we were having a discussion, weren't we, with the senior team this morning about GPAS and how um, directors, you know, you sit around a table with other stakeholders and the accused can say, well, this is my evidence of how busy we are. And it's the evidence of how busy rather than just saying we're busy that makes a massive difference, doesn't it? Um, and um, everybody that contributes contributes to the whole curve and you can see then what's what's happening with general practice. But at the moment, it's, it's difficult to feedback when it's just sort of a little bit of, we, we are feeling under pressure, but um, as we know, there are lots of pressures on everybody's time, but it, that, that, it is proving useful elsewhere, isn't it, um, to have the GPAS data. Um, okay, we're putting a few um, links in the chat, which hopefully will be useful to you um, as, as we're going through today. So do pick those up. If you can't pick them up um, from the chat bar, then we will pop them um, in with the website when we publish this. So and that could be useful. And I just wanted to finish off with um, something that I sent out, um, an email I sent out in the middle of August um, about the Space to Thrive groups. And I'm just going to share my screen. Here we go. Uh, hopefully just that's working for all of you. Okay. Um, so just to say that I sent out an email in the middle of August asking any of you if you'd like to join up with some professional support networks with other managers in your area. We're conscious that many manager meetings actually um, have stopped since um, since COVID and they haven't really started again. Or if they have started, they've started in a different format. So I'm not going to bother reading the slide. You can read the slide, but one of our practice manager supporters will facilitate each of the groups. Some will meet virtually, some will meet face-to-face, -face, and some do a mixture of both. So many of you have replied really positively for my email, and I'm now collating the replies and working with the practice manager supporters to look at the next steps and where the groups will be meeting um, and what we'll do about virtual meetings, all that sort of thing. So it's not too late if you haven't replied to me. Do drop me an email in the next to five days or so, then I can add you to one of the groups. So I've summarised this on the slide that you can um, 
You can read that, but I'm going to read out a couple of the two quotes which I like, um, and that's really for people who are listening on the podcast. I'm very conscious of how isolated the role of a practice manager can be, um, and um, it just says there, isolation is really common in the workplace, especially amongst leaders such as as you are. Um, and there are two really good quotes there. Authentic leaders build close relationships with people who will counsel them in times of uncertainty, be there in times of difficulty and celebrate with them in times of success. Developing a consistent group of peers with whom you can be vulnerable, who will support you and who will not turn away from you is extremely helpful in leadership. And as I said in my email, we can't stop the clock, but we can stop for a moment and create some time for ourselves and to help others. So do email me if you haven't already done so and you're interested in joining one of our professional support groups, which we call calling Space to Thrive, and I will be back in touch. So my email address is louise.greenwood at wessexlmcs.org.uk. And I will just stop the share there. So um, I see, um, did, did a question come in then or are we, no, I think, I think we're all sourced on that. So I think that's probably it for today, unless anybody else has got any burning questions they're thinking of or anything coming in on the chat just quickly. Um, we've rattled through as ever a number of things um, in 20 minutes, which we hope will, for, will be useful for you. We do it in this format because we think it's an opportunity to be live and you can interact with us and ask things that are sort of, um, on your mind. A lot of this is also in our newsletter because some of you prefer to read things and we completely understand that. And we will continue to do so and continue to record so that you can listen to afterwards and we do know we get us to 250 people listening to the recording afterwards so we do know that you um, need to do that i would suggest you do that in your um, work time rather than in your private time i know a lot of you do it in your private time and you do need to have time for yourselves too so i think that's it for us today so thank you as ever to lisa michelle and dawn it's been a really good session we will be back on wednesday the 27th of september so we will see you then and take care bye-bye Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.